In this recording, we're going to discuss the Rambam's view of charosas, the sweet mixture of fruits and nuts and grape juice. There's all sorts of different recipes depending on people's custom, but that sweet mixture is called charosas, and we dip the maror in it. So this is one of the main ingredients that we have on the Seder night, and we're going to discuss the Rambam's view of how we use it, because we'll see that he has some unusual things to say about it, even though most of us have the custom to dip the maror in the charosas. So that means that there's two times we dip it in there. One is when we eat the maror on its own to fulfill the mitzvah of maror, and the second time is when we eat the maror together with the matzah for the mitzvah of korech. So both of those times we dip the maror in the charosas. But the Rambam actually talks about four dippings of charosas. He believes that the karpas is dipped in charosas as well as the matzah alone for the mitzvah of matzah that both of those are also dipped in charosas. So the Rambam has a much more expansive view of the charosas. It's not only the dip for the maror, which is how most of us do it at the Seder, but according to the Rambam, it's the dip of the Seder. So any ingredient that needs to be dipped at the Seder is dipped in the charosas. And even the matzah, which we don't dip, according to the Rambam, that too is dipped in the charosas. So we're going to go through the various details of the Rambam's view and try to understand how he sees the charoset at the Seder. So going back in history, the first mention of charosas is in the Mishnah in Psachim Kufiyodal and Aleph. It records a debate between the rabbis and Reb Lezer Reb Tzadok, whether the Charosas is a mitzvah or not. The rabbis say that charosas is not a mitzvah, but we still dip the maror in charosas. And Reb Lezer Reb Tzadok says that it is a mitzvah. So the Gemarim Psach and Kuf Tesvav Aleph asks the obvious question, which is according to the first view that charosas is not a mitzvah, so why do we use it? What's the point of dipping the maror in the charosas? And the Gemara answers Mishum Kafa. There's something called Kafa in the maror, and somehow dipping the maror in the charosas solves the problem of Kafa. So what is kaffa? So Rashi and the Rashbam explain that kaffa is like the poison of the maror, meaning the sharpness of the horseradish. As we know, eating something very sharp like a hot pepper or horseradish could be dangerous for someone. So in order to alleviate the concerns of danger at the Seder because people are eating horseradish, so they instituted charosas, which is sweet. So by dipping the maror in the charosas, it negates some of the sharpness and that removes the danger. Now, the Rashbam and Tosvos quote that Rabbeinu Hananel had a different interpretation of this word kafa, and that is that there's bugs. There's some sort of bugs which are dangerous in the maror vegetables. So in order to kill those bugs, we dip it in the charosas, and that kills off the bugs, and then the vegetable is safe to eat. So according to Rabbeinu Hananel, the charosas kills off some sort of bugs or worms in the maror vegetable, and then it becomes safe. According to Rashi and the Rashbam, the charosas removes some of the sharpness, the bitterness of the maror, and then it's safe to eat. Now, it's not totally clear what Rabbeinu Hananel is talking about, that there's dangerous bugs in the maror vegetable. So there is a modern day suggestion that maybe he's talking about some sort of bacteria or some sort of infection, a virus that travels through these vegetables, so they were dangerous to eat. So putting them in the charosas kills them. But either way, Rabbeinu Hananel is talking about something external, which is in the maror and needs 
needs to be killed off through the charosas. So that's the debate between Rashi and the Rashbam versus Rabbeinu Hananel, how to interpret the purpose of charosas according to the rabbis that charosas itself is not a mitzvah. Now the other view of Reb Lezer, Reb Tzadok, is that charosas itself is a mitzvah. So the Gemara and Kuf Tazayin Amid Aleph quotes that there are two views as to what the mitzvah is. Reb Levi says the goal is to remember the apples, which is the imagery in Shir Hashirim for the painless births that the Jews used to have in Egypt. So that was a great miracle. So we want to remember that by using an apple at the Seder. So that's the point of Charosas. And Reb Yochanan says the point is to remember the mortar that they had to build with in Egypt. So the Charosas should be something thicker. So based on these two views, Abayah suggests combining them together and making the Charosas using apples as well as something thicker. So that's why many of the Charosas recipes include apples as well as nuts that are ground up. So it becomes thicker, but it also includes apples. But again, the basic recipe in the Gemara is that it should include something like apples and it should also be ground up so it's thicker and it reminds us of the mortar. So according to the view of Reb Lezer, Reb Tzadok, that Charosas is an independent mitzvah, it's not just there to soften the maror. The point of charosas is twofold. One is to represent the apples as well as the mortar, and therefore it should be made using those ingredients. So those are the two major traditions regarding charosas that appear in the Mishnah as it's explained in the Gemara. Now, the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah makes a very interesting comment, and he says that according to Reb Lezer Tzadok, that charosas is itself a mitzvah, so before eating the charosas, Says one should make the bracha just like when we do any mitzvah we make a bracha beforehand and just like at the Seder we make a bracha before the matzah and we make a bracha before the maror so too according to Rabbi Lezer Rabbi Tzadok before one eats charosas they should make a bracha on the charosas as opposed to the rabbis who don't believe charosas is a mitzvah they think it's just in order to prepare the maror so it's not dangerous so they would hold that there is no bracha before eating the charosas. Now, the tour in Simen Tuf Ayin Hay at the end of Halacha Aleph disagrees with the Rambam, and he says, There is no bracha on the charosas, even though it's a mitzvah, meaning even according to the view of Reb Lezer, Reb Tzadok, there's still no bracha on charosas, because the charosas is secondary to the maror. So whatever bracha we make on the maror fulfills the obligation to make a bracha on the charosas. So even if we say that the charosas is a mitzvah, it doesn't mean that it's a totally independent mitzvah. It means that it's a mitzvah within the maror orbit, so it doesn't require its own bracha. The brachas of the maror fulfill the mitzvah of charosas as well. So there's a debate between the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah versus the Tur, whether according to the view of Reb Lezer, Reb Tzadok, that charosas is a mitzvah, it requires another bracha on the mitzvah of charosas. Now, interestingly, the Rambam in his halachic book in Mishnah Torah, Helchus Chametzu Matzah, Perek Zayin, Halachi Yud Aleph, seems to backtrack on his earlier view because he writes, HaCharosas Mitzvah Midivrei Sofrim, Charosas is a mitzvah midra banan, Zecher Latit, in order to remember the mortar, which is Rabbi Yochanan's position. So here the Rambam rules like Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Tzadok, as the Magid Mishnah points out, because he's ruling that Charosas is a mitzvah. It's not just in order to alleviate the danger of the Maror, and still the Rambam nowhere mentions a separate bracha on the mitzvah of Charosas. So the Lechem Mishnah points out this question that even though the Rambam earlier in his commentary
commentary on the Mishnah indicated that if charoses is a mitzvah, there would be a separate bracha of asher kedishanu mitzvah tzivanu alachilas charoses. But in the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam seems to backtrack on that because he does rule that charoses is a mitzvah and still he does not mention anything about making a bracha on it. And the Lechem Mishnah ends with a question which is even if we say that the Rambam changed his mind and he holds that there is no bracha on the mitzvah of charoses, but why not? We make a bracha on the matzah, we make a bracha on the maror, so why shouldn't we make a bracha on the charoses as well? So that's the Lechem Mishnah's question that he asks. Now, even though we saw that the tour answers this question by saying that charoses is a subsidiary of maror, so it's not clear why the Lechem Mishnah doesn't suggest the same answer for the Rambam, but it's possible that answer won't work for the Rambam, because as we said, the Rambam holds that we dip not only the maror in the charoses, but the matzah and the Karpas as well. So according to the tour that we're only dipping the maror in the charoses, we could say that charoses is a subsidiary of maror. But according to the Rambam, that we dip everything that needs dipping at the Seder in the charoses. So that includes other ingredients aside from the maror. So that answer might not work anymore because it really does seem that charoses is an independent mitzvah at the Seder because it's one of the major ingredients of the Seder. It's the dip that we use at the Seder. So that's Lecha Mishnah's question why don't we make a special bracha then on the charosas? Now, the Merkevis Mishnah in his commentary on the Rambam suggests that maybe the Rambam understands that the whole debate between the rabbis and Reb Lezer Reb Tzadok is only with regards to whether there's a bracha on charosas. In other words, everybody agrees that charosas is a mitzvah. The only question was whether there's a bracha on that mitzvah. The rabbis say there's not. Reb Lezer Reb Tzadok says there is. So the Rambam in the Mishnah Torah is actually ruling according to the Chachamim, to the first view, that there is no bracha and against Reb Lezer Reb Tzadok. But he didn't change his mind from his commentary on the Mishnah at all. He agrees that that is the debate between those two views, whether there's a bracha on Charosas and in the Mishnah Torah, he agrees with the first view. So that's the way the Merkevis Mishnah understands that, although it's hard to read that into the Gemara. So the Lecha Mishnah's question seems like a good one. Either way, that's some of the background of how the Gemara presents the concept of Charosas and the ruling of the Rambam and the Tur. Now we're going to go through the four places throughout the Seder where the Rambam rules that one dips something in the Charosas. So in the eighth, the final chapter of Hilchus Chametzumatza, the Rambam goes through the whole order of the Seder. And in Halacha Beis, he begins with the Karpas. So at the beginning of the Seder, we make Kiddush. And then the next step is we wash and eat the Karpas. So the Rambam writes, You make a bracha of Bore Priha Adama in order to eat this vegetable. You then take a vegetable for karpas and you dip it in the charoses and you eat a kazayis, an olive size of that vegetable. And the Rambam emphasizes this, that everyone sitting at the Seder must eat a minimum of a kazayis measurement for the mitzvah of karpas. So according to the Rambam, the proper procedure for karpas is you bring the vegetable, dip it into charosas, and then every person at the Seder must eat a full kazayas of that vegetable. Now there's two things which are unusual about the Rambam's ruling in this case. First is that he requires a kazayas for karpas, and as we'll see, that's very controversial. Most authorities maintain that one should eat less than a kazayas for karpas. And the second, of course, is that the Rambam rules that the karpas gets dipped in charosas, which is also unusual because the standard view 
is that the karpas gets dipped in something other than charosas. Nowadays, we generally use salt water. So those are the two unusual things about the Rambam's karpas, that it's dipped in charosas and a full kazayas is eaten. Now let's go through each of these separately. The Magid Mishnah explains that the reason the Rambam requires eating a kazayas is she'en achila p'chusami kazayas. Anytime we do a mitzvah, which requires eating, so it requires a minimum of a kazayas. That's the standard measurement of halacha. So in the same way, if karpas is a requirement, so it requires eating a kazayas. That's the view of the Rambam. Then the Magid Mishnah quotes that there are others who disagree, and they say that this does not require a kazayas measurement. And the reason is very simple, because karpas is not inherently a mitzvah. There's no need to eat any vegetable dipped in anything at this point in the Seder. The only reason is so that the kids should ask. The entire point of karpas is to do something strange so that the children will ask why we're doing strange things. And of course, that's one of the major goals of the Seder to get the children interested in asking questions. And in fact, this is one of the questions in the Manishtana. Why do we do these two dippings? So the whole point of karpas is only to get the kids asking questions to do something unusual. So therefore, there's no need to eat a full kazayas. This is not like eating matzah or maror where there's an inherent mitzvah in the eating. The only point over here is to do something a bit unusual. So that does not require a kazayas. So those are the two views with regards to this issue, whether one should eat a kazayas or not, depending on whether we view this as a mitzvah of eating or just in order to do something unusual, but it's not an actual eating mitzvah. Now, according to the view that you don't have to eat a kazayas, so that only says that you're not obligated to eat a kazayas, but it sounds like you could still choose to eat a kazayas. But the Beis Yosef in Simon Tafai and Gimel quotes from the Maharil that there's a further problem with eating a kazayas, which is it's unclear whether someone's supposed to make an after bracha after the karpas and then another first bracha on the maror later on. So there's two ways to do this. You could either make bore prihadama on the karpas, then skip the after bracha after the karpas and use that first bracha later on for the maror. So you don't need to make a new bore prihadama on the maror. And the benefit of that is because since the maror is supposed to be bitter, so perhaps you're not supposed to make a new first bracha on it because you're not enjoying eating the maror. So if we could use the first bracha from the karpas, which is a regular vegetable, and apply it to the maror, that would be beneficial. So according to that view, you should not make a bracha achrona after eating the karpas. The other view is that you eat the karpas with the first bracha and an after bracha. So you end the whole brachas on the karpas, and then later on you make a new first bracha and after bracha on the maror. So there's two different ways to view this. So because there's a concern that maybe one should not make an after bracha, on the karpas, the Maharil said that it's even better to not eat a kazayas of karpas, to eat a small amount, and that way one for sure does not make an after bracha. You only make a bracha achrona once you ate a kazayas. So now it turns out that according to those who disagree with the Rambam, not only do you not have to eat a kazayas for karpas, but it's better to eat less than a kazayas. Now, the Rambam who holds that you do have to eat a kazayas, so it's not clear whether you have to make an after bracha 
bracha after the karpas. In the Chuvas Harambam, he was asked about this, and he writes that you do need to make a Borei Nefashos Rabos, an after bracha after the karpas, because the Haggadah, the Magid, is about to break between the karpas and the Maror, so you can't use your bracha from the karpas for the Maror later on. You got to end the karpas with a bracha achrona, and then restart with another bracha rishona of Hadama later on on the Maror. So that's what he writes in a tshuva. On the other hand, in the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam mentions nothing about a bracha achrona after karpas, and he also doesn't mention a new bore pri hadama later on on Maror. So Rav Kapach, in his commentary on the Mishnah Torah, he claims that the Rambam did change his mind about this, and at first he held that one should make a bracha achrona on the karpas, and he also quotes that that's the view of Rav Sadia Gaon, when he goes through the order of the Seder, so he says that there's bore pri ha'adama on the karpas, then you eat a kazayis, and then you make a bore nefashos. So the Rambam originally held like Rav Sadia Gaon, but then he changed his mind based on what he ruled in Hilchus Brachos, Perek Dalat, Halacha Yud Beis, that any time you're intending to continue eating vegetables in this meal, you do not make a bracha achrona, you don't end the original bracha, but you just eat all of the vegetables throughout that meal using the first bracha rishona. So the same would be at the Seder, that according to the Rambam's second opinion, as it's recorded in Mishnah Torah, you just make a bari prihadama on the karpas, then you do not make a bracha achrona after that, and you use that bari prihadama for the maror as well. So according to this explanation, we have two views. One is that you make a bari prihadama on the karpas, eat less than a kazayis, and then do not make a bracha achrona after the karpas, and you use that hadama for the maror. The second is the view of the Rambam, that again, you make a bari prihadama on the karpas, you do eat more than a kazayis, you have to eat at least a kazayis, but you still skip the bracha achrona and use that hadama for the maror later on. So the only debate between these two opinions is whether or not you should eat a kazayis. Now the Shulchan Arach and Simen Tafayin Gimel Sif Vav rules against the Rambam, and he holds that you should eat less than a kazayis of karpas, and again you make the bari prihadama on the karpas and use that for the maror as well, so there is no bari nefashos after eating the karpas. So that's the final ruling of the Shulchan Aruch. And the Hagos Maimani, in his commentary on the Rambam, he's so bothered by why the Rambam requires a Kazayis, he doesn't understand why this should be at all, because again, the whole point of Karpas is only to get the kids to ask. So why should there be any minimum requirement of eating a Kazayis that he actually suggests that this is a printing error, and that this line that you have to eat a Kazayis belongs later on when it comes to Maror. And the reason there was this error is because since the Rambam holds that both the karpas and the maror are dipped in charoses, so the printers made a mistake. And when they saw the first dip it in charoses, which was talking about karpas, they then printed the line that you have to eat a kazayis, which actually belongs later on when it's talking about the maror dipped in charoses. So that's where it should have said that you have to eat a kazayis. And he points out that the Rambam never mentions that you have to eat a kazayis of maror. So that reinforces this theory that perhaps it was a printing error to begin with, that the Rambam intended to say you have to eat a kazayis of maror, and that phrase of eating a kazayis got printed in the wrong place at the first time that he mentioned dipping it in charoses. So that is the mainstream view. On the other hand, in conclusion of this issue, it's worth noting that the Vilna Gaon did agree with the view of the Rambam, and he held that one should eat a kazayis of karpas, and that practice of his is recorded in Maserav, that he used to make bore prihadam on the karpas, eat a kazayis, and still skip the bracha achrona. So that's unlike Rav Sadia Gaon and what the Rambam wrote in the tshuva, that's the way the Rambam indicates in the Mishnah
Mishnah Torah that even though you eat a kazayis of karpas, there is still no bracha achrona after the karpas. So that was the view of the Vilna Gaon. So that's all the first unusual view the Rambam has about karpas. The second issue is that the Rambam says to dip the karpas in the charosas. So this again goes against the mainstream because the mainstream view is that we do not dip karpas in the charosas. Now this is based on a discussion in the Mishnah in Psach and Kuf Yudal Ramad Aleph. The Mishnah says a very strange phrase. It's describing the karpas and it says, that they bring it in front of him and he dips the chazeres, which is a reference to the maror. So the Mishnah seems to be saying something very strange, that karpas is exactly the same as maror. We take the maror vegetable and dip it into the charosas. So the simple reading of the Mishnah is that there is no real difference between the karpas and the maror steps. We just do the same thing two times. So the Rashbam in his commentary already picks up on this problem and he explains that first of all, the dipping at karpas is not in charosas. So only the maror gets dipped in charosas, but at karpas we use a different dip. In addition, says the Rashbam, you should not use the same vegetable that you're going to use for maror for the earlier step of karpas, but you should use a different vegetable instead. And the Mishnah is talking about in a case where someone does not have another vegetable. They only have maror. So in that case, the Mishnah is saying that you could use the same vegetable for karpas and maror as well. But that's only when there is no other vegetable. At a normal Seder, you should use a different vegetable for karpas than what you're going to use for maror. Now, Tosos questions the Rashbam's reading because if someone is using the maror at the earlier step of karpas, how can they not dip it in charosas? As we saw in the Gemara, there is danger to eating maror which has not been dipped in charosas. So how can the Rashbam say that if someone needs to use maror for karpas, they should dip it into something other than charosas? That would be a danger to eat it. So Tosos explains similarly to the Rashbam, but he changes a key point, which is that you should use a different vegetable for karpas than the one for maror, and then you don't dip it into charosas. So that's the ideal way to do it. But if you have to use the maror for the karpas, then you should dip it into charosas as well. So according to Tosfos, the ideal seder is like the Rashbam to use a different vegetable for karpas and dip it into something other than the charosas. And Tosfos quotes that Rabbeinu Tam used to use vinegar or salt water. So this is the source for dipping into vinegar or salt water at Karpas rather than the charosas, as the Rambam said, because Rabbeinu Tam and the Rashbam say that the best way to dip the Karpas is into vinegar or salt water only if you have to use the maror vegetable for karpas, then according to Tosos, you would dip it into the charosas. So the mainstream is that one should not dip karpas into the charosas, they dip it into salt water. Now there's a debate how to understand Rabbeinu Tam's view. The Hagos Maimani in his commentary on the Rambam, so he understands that Rabbeinu Tam means you do not need to use the charoset for karpas, but you could if you want to. So Rabbeinu Tam's not insisting that you must use salt water for karpas, he's only saying that you're allowed to use something other than charoset, but you could choose to use the charoset as well. So based on this, that goes Maimani quotes that the Maharam used to use charoset for the karpas because he understood that Rabbeinu Tam holds that you don't have to use charoset for the karpas, but you could choose to. There's no obligation to use something other than charoset. And since there are many other Rishonim who agree with the view of the Rambam that the karpas should be dipped in charosas, which is seemingly the simple reading of the Mishnah, and that view includes
includes Rashi, quoted in the Sefer Apardes, as well as the Chuvasa Gaonim, as well as Rabbeinu Yosef Tov Elim, who wrote a very important, like, poetic description of the Seder, but there's a lot of important halachas in there. So he also holds that the Karpas should be dipped in Charosas. And Rabbeinu Shmaya, who wrote the Machzor Vitri, and the Tur in Simen and Gimel quotes that Rav Amram Gaon also held to dip the Karpas in Charosas. And Rav Kapach, in his commentary on the Mishnah Torah, also quotes that Rav Sadia Gaon, in his description of the order of the Seder, says to dip the Karpas in the Charosas. So there are many Rishonim who agree with the Rambam on this. So since the Maharam held that Rabbeinu Tam's not disagreeing with the Rambam, he just holds you don't have to use Charosas, but it's not a problem if you do. So the Maharam used to dip his Karpas in Charosas. On the other hand, the Agos Maimini quotes from the Sefer Atruma, and this is the view of the tour as well, that when Rabbeinu Tam said not to dip the Karpas in Charosas, he meant that you should absolutely not do that. He didn't mean that each person should decide, but he meant that one should not use the Charosas during the Karpas. The first time the Charosas is used is during the Maror. It should not be used beforehand, so at Karpas you have to get a different dip to dip it in. And the Sefer Atruma and the tour have very significant language, that according to Rabbeinu Tam, the whole essence of charosas is to be a mitzvah with the maror. In other words, charosas should have nothing to do with any other part of the Seder other than the maror. So this is obviously a totally different understanding of charosas than the Rambam because the Rambam believes that the charosas should actively be used during karpas. In other words, charosas is not specifically related to maror only. Whereas according to Rabbeinu Tam, the essence of charosas is that it comes along with the maror. So it should not be used for the karpas or anything else. It should only be the dip for the maror. And the tour goes so far as to rule according to the view of the Rashbam, which is also the view of the Rush, that even if someone has to use their maror for karpas, so they're using the vegetable that's potentially dangerous for karpas, they should still not dip it into the charosas because the whole concept of charosas is only connected to maror and it should not be used for karpas even if someone's using the exact same vegetable. So the tour rules like the more extreme view of the Rashbam and the Rush against Tosfos, that even if you're using the Maror vegetable for Karpas, you still don't dip it in Charosas. And that's a reflection of his view that the Charosas is specifically related to the Maror. So we have two totally different traditions how to understand the Charosas. According to the Rambam, it's the dip at the Seder. It's not specifically connected to the Maror. Whereas according to Rabbeinu Tam, as the Torah understands him, Charosas is specifically connected to the Maror. Now Rav Kapach has an interesting suggestion that the debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Tam may be a reflection of the debate between Rashi and Rabbeinu Hananel as to what the word kafa means. As we said, according to Rashi, it refers to the sharpness of the maror that we need to dull through the charosas. Whereas according to Rabbeinu Hananel, it refers to some sort of bug or worm that's on the vegetable that needs to be killed in the charosas. So Rav Kapach suggests that according to Rabbeinu Hananel, you also need to dip the Karpas vegetable in charosas because it's the same concern. The karpas is also a vegetable, so it might also have this kaffa worm hanging onto it. So it too needs to be killed in the charosas. So that's why the Rambam and the other Gaonim who follow in the tradition of Rabbeinu Hananel, so they all rule that the karpas has to be dipped in the charosas for the same reason as the maror in order to kill the kaffa. As opposed to Rabbeinu Tam who goes in the tradition of Rashi and the Rashbam and they understand kaffa 
as the bitterness, the sharpness of the horseradish. So that, of course, only applies to maror. It does not apply to the vegetable of karpas, which is not a bitter herb. So there, there's no need to dip it in the charosas, and you dip it in a different type of dip. So this is an interesting suggestion. But the issue is that, as we saw, the Rashbam and the Rush and the Tour hold that even if you're using the same vegetable of maror for karpas, you still don't dip it in charosas. So that would go against this interpretation. Also, the whole discussion in the Rambam is according to the view of Reb Lezer, Reb Tzadok, that charosas is a mitzvah, in which case it may not be that the reason for charosas is to kill the kaffa of the maror. It could be that according to Reb Lezer, Reb Tzadok, we don't hold of that reason at all. The charosas is an independent mitzvah, in which case none of the ideas about the charosas killing the kaffa would be relevant to the dispute between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Tam, which is within the view we accept according to Halacha that charosas is a mitzvah. So there are some potential questions on Rav Kapach's explanation, but either way, it's an interesting suggestion to say that the debate between the Rambam and Rabbeinu Tam, whether we dip the karpas and charosas, is a reflection of the debate between Rashi and Rabbeinu Hananel as to how the charosas protects us from the danger of maror. Now, on a practical level, the Shulchan Aruch and Simen Tafayin Gimel Sif Vav rules against the Rambam, and like Rabbeinu Tam, that we dip the karpas into vinegar, or it could be salt water as well, but we do not dip the karpas into charosas. Now, continuing with the Rambam, who has even more surprises about what we dip in the charosas. So in Halacha Ches, the Rambam picks up with what the order of the Seder is nowadays, when we don't have a Besam Mikdash. He just described how they would eat when they had a Karban Pesach, but now Nowadays, when we don't have karbanot, so there's a different order to the seder. Says the Rambam, "Bizman hazeh sham karban." Nowadays, when there is no karban, achar shemavarich hamotzi lechem chozer mavarich alachilas matzah. So we make the blessings of hamotzi and then the bracha on the mitzvah of matzah umetabel matzah becharoses vaochel, and then we dip the matzah in the charoses and we eat it. So this is what we call at our seder's motzi matzah. But the Rambam adds in that we have to dip the matzah in and then eat it. Then we make a bracha on the maror, and again we dip the maror in the charosas and eat it. The Rambam quotes the Gemara that you shouldn't leave the maror in the charosas because it might take away the taste of the maror. Many people nowadays make a mistake with this. They eat the charosas together with the maror, and it's actually supposed to be a dip. You could eat the charosas afterwards as much as you want, but when you're doing the mitzvah of maror, you're just supposed to dip it in the charosas and then shake it off. Vizu mitzvah midivrei sofrim, maror nowadays is only rabbinic. And then the Rambam concludes, v'chozer v'koreach matzah umaror umetabal becharosas, v'ochlan below bracha zechel mikdash. Then we eat the matzah and the maror together, which is koreach, and it's zechel mikdash. It's in order to remember what Hillel did in the times of the Beis mikdash, so we don't make a bracha on it. And of course, the koreach sandwich also has to be dipped in the charosas. So the Rambam adds three more dippings for charosas nowadays days, the matzah gets dipped in charosas, the maror gets dipped in charosas, and then the korech sandwich gets dipped in charosas. Now, the second two dippings are not controversial. Everyone agrees that the maror gets dipped in charosas, but the dipping of matzah in charosas is very unusual. So the tour in Simen Tuf Ayin Hay quotes this view of the Rambam, and then he asks three questions. First, he says, what is the purpose of dipping the matzah in the maror? 
If it's because in general we try to dip bread into things, that's why when we have a Shabbos or Yantif meal, we dip the bread into salt. So maybe we need something to dip the matzah in like we dip it in salt. Says the Torah, why don't you just use salt? Why are you using charosas? And in fact, in the Yerushalmi, it says to dip the matzah in the salt, not in the charosas. Second, he quotes a question from the Hamanhig that he asked on the Rambam that at the Seder, we have two different types of symbols. Some symbolize freedom and some symbolize slavery. So for example, the wine or the reclining symbolizes freedom. The maror symbolizes slavery. So he asked that the matzah is a symbol of freedom because the Jews were rushed out of Egypt and they didn't even have time for their bread to rise. So matzah is in the freedom column. As opposed to harosas, which symbolizes the mortar that they had to work with when they were slaves. Slaves, so that's in the slavery column. So why, according to the Rambam, would we be mixing matzah and charoses, which is mixing a freedom symbol with the slavery symbol? And third, the tour asks that matzah is a da'oraisa, it's a Torah obligation even nowadays, whereas charoses is clearly drabanan. So how can we mix a drabanan taste with a da'oraisa taste? Aren't we concerned that the drabanan taste is going to nullify the fulfillment of the da'oraisa mitzvah to eat and taste the matzah. So those are the three questions the tour poses against the Rambam, and he therefore concludes like the standard custom that we do not dip the matzah in the charosas. Now the Ravid has a very sharp reaction to this Rambam. He writes Zehevel, that this is nothing, meaning it's nonsense, this idea that we dip the matzah in the charosas. And the Magid Mishnah explains that he agrees with the view of the tour that you should not dip your matzah in charosas. But the Magid Mishnah concludes that even though the Ravid's view is the mainstream view, he still shouldn't have been so sharp against the Rambam and called this nonsense because it's not nonsense. There is a reason for this. So even though the Magid Mishnah acknowledges that there's a strong tradition against the Rambam, but he still thinks that there's a good reason for what the Rambam is saying. Now, the Radvaz in Achuva, Chelek Hesim in Tafresh Tzadi Beis, so he tries to defend the Rambam from the tour's questions. And he answers the question that what about the concern that the taste of the charosas, which is drabanan, is going to overwhelm the taste of the matzah, which is a da'oraisa. So the Radvaz answers that that would be true if we were eating both of the foods. But as we said, the charosas is just a dip. You're not supposed to eat the charosas with the matzah. You're just supposed to dip the matzah in the charosas and then shake it off and then eat the matzah by itself. So in that case, the taste of the charosas is not going to overwhelm the taste of the matzah. And he quotes that the Ran made a similar comment with regards to maror in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, when it was a de'oraisa. So nowadays, when there's no carbon Pesach, maror is only drabanan, but in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, of course, it was from the Torah. So again, we could ask the same question, how could we dip the maror, which is de'oraisa at that time, in the charosas, which is only drabanan? What if the taste of the charosas over overwhelms the maror. So again, the answer is that the charosas is only a dip. You dip the maror in there and then you shake it off. So it doesn't overwhelm the taste of the maror. So the same is true of matzah nowadays, which is doraisa, that since it's just dipped in the charosas, so it doesn't overwhelm the taste of the matzah. 
Now, regarding the question that how can we mix symbols when the matzah is a symbol of freedom and the charosis is a symbol of slavery, so the Radvaz answers back very nicely that according to Hillel, we mix the matzah and the maror, even though the matzah is freedom and the maror is slavery. So you see that it's not a problem to mix symbols and eat them together. So that's a very nice answer to this question of the tour. And then he says that there's another answer to the question, which is that matzah is a more complex symbol. It's not one-sided that it's only about freedom. Matzah is an unusual symbol at the Seder in that it symbolizes both freedom and slavery. So unlike the other symbols which represent either or, the matzah is really a symbol of both of them because it's a symbol of freedom that the Jews had to leave quickly, but it's also a symbol of slavery because that's what the Jews ate when they were slaves. And this is an idea that the Abarbanel in his Haggadah discusses at length, and we have an entire recording about this called the meaning of matzah. So since matzah is a more complex symbol, it's both freedom and slavery, therefore it could be eaten with the charoses, even though that's a symbol of slavery because matzah is able to connect with any of the symbols. So the Radvaz has some interesting ideas to defend the approach of the Rambam and the Bach in his commentary on the tour, it's in Tafayin Hay, also suggests some similar ideas. Now there's an interesting issue, the tour quotes from the Raviyah in his Sefer Avi Ezri and Nagos Maimani also quotes this from Rabbi Yosef Tov Elim in his poetic description of the Seder. So they both disagree with the Rambam and the mainstream. They maintain that we do not dip the Korech sandwich in the Charosas. And their concern that the tour quotes is that they're worried that if we dip the Korech sandwich in the Charosas, that's three dippings because we dipped Karpas, we dipped the Maror, and now we dip the Korech. And the issue is that in the Manishtana, one of the questions that we ask is why on regular nights we don't do any dipping and tonight we do two dipping. So it's clear from that question in the Manishtana that there are only two dippings at the Seder. So because of that, the Rav Yoss said that you should only dip Karpas and Maror, but not the Korech sandwich because that would be a third dipping. So according to our custom, which is based on Rashi and the Rush, that we dip in Karpas, we dip in Maror, and then we dip in Korech, there seems to be a problem because that's three dippings. And in the Manishtana, it says to only dip two times. And of course, this is going to be an even bigger problem on the Rambam because he holds that there's four dippings at Karpas, the Matzah, the Maror, and Korech. So according to the Rambam, what does the line in the Manishtana mean when it says that we dip twice when in fact we're dipping four times at the Seder? So the question from the Korech dipping seems easier to answer, which is that's really a dipping of Maror. Because Hillel, who would eat Korech, that was his fulfillment of the mitzvah of Maror. So when we do Korech and Maror separately, we're just doing the two different options, but both of them are the same mitzvah of Matzah and Maror. So when we dip the Maror and when we dip the Korech, that's effectively the same dipping. You would have to do only one one of those, and there's two different ways to understand it. So that seems like we could answer the Korech dipping more easily. But according to the Rambam, there's still an extra dipping of the Matzah, which seems to contradict the line in Manishtana that at the Seder we dip two times. So Rav Kapach again suggests a very bold solution to explain the Rambam, and that is based on an unusual translation of the Rif. So the Mishnah in Psachim Kufyo Dalid says, Hiviu lefanav mitabel bechazeres. 
they bring the karpas and he dips it. So the word mitabel, like tavlin, usually means a dip. And that's the way the Manishtana uses the word. Shebechol halelos ein anumatbilin. That on a normal night, we don't dip even once, but tonight we do it twice. But Rav Kapach points out that there seems to be another translation of this word, which is in the riff. And the Ran, in his commentary on the riff, picks up on this. And he quotes that Rashi explains that Mishnah, that it doesn't mean to dip. So the word mitabel in that case means not to dip, but to eat. It means mitapel, with a pay. Now this is based on a comment that the riff makes earlier in the Gemara Kuf Zayin where the riff explains Pirush Mitabel Mitapel Kolomar Ma'avir Pito. The riff explains that the word Mitabel means that you switch foods. Not that you dip one food in the other, but you exchange the foods and instead of eating food A, you eat food B. So basically there seem to be two translations of the word Mitabel. The standard one seems to be dipping, but then the riff has another version, which is that you eat a food instead of eating another food. So now Rav Kapach says that if the Rambam followed in the riff's translation, which would make sense because he comes from the tradition of the riff, so maybe they read the whole line in Manishtana differently, not that it's She'ein Anumat Bilin, it's not a reference to the dipping, and in fact, in the Haggadah, it does not have an extra Yud. So it does not say Matbilin, which would mean dipping, but it says mitavlin, which according to the riff and the Rambam means that we eat the food. So all we're saying in the Manishtana is that we eat two different types of vegetables, but we're not saying that we dip only two times. So that would answer the question on the Rambam that there's four dippings at the Seder. Now this is an interesting suggestion, but there's obviously a few problems. First of all, it goes against all the commentators. They all understand the word mitavlin or matbilin in the Manishtana to refer to dip not to the two vegetables that we eat. Also, according to Rav Kapach, it's unclear where in that line it identifies vegetables as opposed to other foods. All it says is that that night we eat two different foods. It doesn't make clear that we're talking about vegetables. So this seems like somewhat of a forced solution, and it seems that even though the riff does explain the word mitabel, that sometimes it refers to eating something, but in this case he might agree that in the Manishtana it's referring to dipping, meaning the riff doesn't hold that the word mitabel always has to mean eating. Sometimes it can refer to dipping. But either way, it's a very creative suggestion from Rav Kapach how to read that line in the Manishtana. Now, on a practical level, so the Shulchan Arach in Simen Tuf Ayin Hay rules against the Rambam that we do not dip the matzah in the charoses. But the Shulchan Arach does say that at the Seder we dip the matzah in salt. So that follows the tour's suggestion that if there's a concern that we need to dip the matzah in something, so just dip it in salt like every other Shabbos and Yantif. The Ramah, on the other hand, records the view that we do not dip the matzah at the Seder in salt. So there's a debate between the Shulchan Arach and the Ramah whether to dip the matzah at the Seder in salt, but everyone agrees that we do not dip it in charoses. Now, when it comes to korech, so the Shulchan Aruch rules that we should dip the korech in charoses, and that is the view of the later major authorities, including the Bach and the Magen Avram and the Taz, and they all quote that the Maharal in his Sefer Gvuras Hashem on the Haggadah in chapter 63, so he also concludes that you should dip the korech sandwich in the charoses, and interestingly, the Magen Avram even quotes the Taz as 
having ruled about this, which you don't often see the Taz quoted in the Magen Avram. But either way, the consensus is certainly that we do dip the Korech sandwich in the Charoses, unlike the view of the Avi Ezri that we do not. On the other hand, the Ramah does record the view of the Avi Ezri, and he says that that is the custom. In other words, in the Ramah's time and place, people were not dipping Korech in the Charoses, and the Maharal in Vuros Hashem also reports that that is the custom in his time and place, which was shortly after the Ramah. So the custom at that time was not to dip the Korech in the Charoses, even though the major authorities all ruled that one should dip it in. And nowadays the custom seems to have changed to follow that view. People do dip their Korech sandwich in the Charoses. So that's on a practical level. We dip the Karpas in salt water. We do not dip the Matzah. We dip the Maror in the Charoses. And we dip the Korech sandwich in the Charoses.